The countdown has begun. This May, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg, held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry and Media City Qatar and premier sponsor QNB. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections and gain unique insights. Learn more at QatarEconomicForum.com. You're listening to Bloomberg Law with June Grosso from Bloomberg Radio. After commuting the sentences of former Illinois Governor Rod Blagojevich and former New York Police Commissioner Bernard Carrick, among others, President Trump seemed to take his authority one step further yesterday. I'm actually, I guess, the chief law enforcement officer of the country, but I've chosen not to be involved. My guest is former federal prosecutor Jennifer Rogers, who teaches at Columbia Law School. So chief law enforcement officer is the designation usually given to the U.S. attorney general. Can Trump claim that title as president? I don't think so. I mean, he's not a law enforcement officer at all. I mean, he's the head of the executive branch, of course. And, you know, it is true to say that there's no legal barrier to him presiding over and involving himself in the Department of Justice's work. But that's not the same thing as saying he's the chief law enforcement officer, which suggests that he actually has not just the authority, but a reason to do that. Like he's supposed to be involving himself in those matters. He said this after he granted clemency in several politically charged cases without going through the established pardon process. What do you see this as? Is it Trump flouting his authority? Is it Trump setting up future pardons for friends or something else? Well, I think it's both of those things. I mean, you know, some of the people pardoned or granted uh, a commutation yesterday did have relationships with him. I mean, Rod Blagojevich, for example, was on Celebrity Apprentice with him years ago. So it's certainly some of that. But I think it's also the first point you make, which is, I don't care about how things are supposed to be done. I don't care about the men and women of the Justice Department who work so hard on these cases and who in the normal pardon process would give me the benefit of all of their wisdom about these cases. I'm just going to do whatever I want to do. And guess what? No one can do anything about it. I mean, that's a big part of the message here that he's not only flouting the regular kind of established procedures, but, you know, kind of thumbing his nose at all of us in a way. There's nothing we can do to stop it. Well, he also, contrary to the stated preferences of Attorney General William Barr, he continued his tweets about the Roger Stone case and denigrated the judge in that case. You have to wonder where he's going with that. Yeah, I mean, this is also part of a pattern. He has been denigrating judges since he was a candidate. Um, you know, remember he what he said about the judge who had part of the fraud case against his Trump university. Um, so, you know, this is part of a pattern for him. And And again, it's, you know, I can do what I want. No one can stop me, not even 
you know, I'm, I'm not even considering off limits another branch of government. You know, he'll go ahead and denigrate judges and challenge them. And of course, the judiciary is, uh, you know, a, a separate and co-equal branch of government. So that's part of his pattern as well. I don't think that Judge Amy Berman Jackson is or will be intimidated or swayed at all by what the president is saying. Um, so it won't have that particular impact. But again, it's part of him telling the rest of us, you know, I'm, I can do whatever I want. I'm uncontrollable. And he's going to continue to be that way, I think. What does this do to the career prosecutors at the Justice Department? His commenting on cases and judges and granting clemency without going through the process. Have you talked to colleagues in the Justice Department to see where they're at? Yeah, it's really demoralizing for people at the Justice Department. Um, I mean, I've certainly spoken with many former colleagues of mine, uh, and I know also that people still in the department are just very concerned about what's going on. You know, they are taught from day one, we all were, that your job is to do the right thing. It is an apolitical job. You don't take those issues into account, and you're not supposed to do favors for people, you know, friends of people in power, just like you're not supposed to go after the political enemies of the people in power. And so to see the president urging those things that are so contrary to a fair administration of justice, as all people in the Justice Department swear to uphold, is really concerning. And so I think that the department is really reeling right now, which is part of the reason that Bill Barr was, I think, trying to calm people down with the statements that he made the other day. There are also rumors that Bill Barr was going to resign as attorney general. Of course, the department spokeswoman said he has no plans to resign. Were those rumors possibly aimed at an audience of one, President Trump? I have no idea, you know, whether that was aimed at at Trump to push back on him a little bit or aimed at the men and women in the department to say, don't worry, I take this very seriously and I'm ready to resign if, you know, our independence and our ability to do our jobs continues to be meddled with by the president. Um, But I also take those statements or the rumors of those statements with an entire shaker full of salt because, you know, it seems to me that Bill Barr has been doing exactly what he has wanted to do in terms of increasing executive power at the expense of his own department since he came into the job. So the notion that as successful as he's been seeking really exactly these results that he's working on now, you know, that he would resign now seems to me far-fetched. The countdown has begun. From May 14th to 16th, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Carter Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections, gain unique insights and uncover valuable opportunities in one of the world's most rapidly rising regions. Request your invite for this exclusive event at QatarEconomicForum.com. Jennifer, what do you make of A.G. Barr's interview where he said the president's tweeting was making his job more difficult? Was that supposed to be for the president or for the prosecutors and staff at the Justice Department? Yeah, I think that's for all of us, the public and the Justice Department people. I mean, he can speak to uh, the president 
one-on-one at any time. You know, if he really is sending a message to the president, he can give that message to the president. It seems to me what he's doing is saying, you know, hey, guys, hey, Mr. President, you're making things harder for me to do what I'm trying to do, which is to give you more power, not so much that he's, uh, you know, actually trying to push back on him. And I think it was a way for him to try to say to his troops, don't worry, I'm sticking up for you, uh, because, I, you know, there's just a lot of dismay and concern in the department right now. But at the same time, he has a group of lawyers overseeing and second-guessing the work of career attorneys in certain cases, like the Michael Flynn case? Yeah, exactly. And the Michael Flynn case is so notable, not only because he's, of course, one of the prosecutions to come out of the Mueller investigation, to this day a staunch defender of the president, someone the president is in return defending But it's a case where he pled guilty and made a motion to the judge saying, you know, the FBI didn't treat me fairly, I was entrapped, the prosecutors, you know, committed misconduct, and the judge rejected those claims on the merits. So there is literally nothing that a new prosecutor should be going and looking at in this case. There is nothing concerning about this case where the defendant pleaded guilty and a judge already rejected these kinds of arguments. So putting a prosecutor in to look at that really just smacks of either just doing it for the president because he asked for it or trying to undermine what looks like a completely legitimate verdict gained by career Justice Department lawyers. Also, before he intervened in the Roger Stone sentencing, he intervened in the Michael Flynn sentencing. The prosecutors initially had asked for zero to six months, and then they changed that to probation. Yeah, I mean, the the prosecutors in almost all cases that don't involve a cooperating witness are going to ask for a guideline sentence. That's what the guidelines are there for, to try to help, you know, judges pinpoint the appropriate sentence, and department lawyers almost always ask for that sentence. And that's why they asked for zero to six months, which is the guidelines range in Michael Flynn. To do something different from that in a case where someone tried to cooperate and then turned out to be a failed cooperator and then started litigating everything, including trying to withdraw a plea, makes no sense. It's just like the Roger Stone case. They asked for a guideline sentence and then back off it for a defendant who not only obstructed justice and tampered with witnesses, but had to be gagged during the trial and threatened the judge. I mean, these are not the sort of defendants that the Justice Department typically does or should ask for below guideline sentence for. Let's uh, talk a little bit more about the Roger Stone case. He had a motion for a new trial that relied on the allegation that one of the jurors who worked at the IRS was biased against him. So now he has another motion for a new trial based on the jury for a woman and her social media posts. Her social media posts might be one thing, but what she said in her questionnaire might be more telling. Yeah, I mean, the the motion itself is sealed, and so we don't yet know the details of what the allegations are, so it's hard to tell. If she lied in a meaningful way during voir dire, then that could be a problem. That's the sort of thing, if she can be, you know, proven to have lied about something important, um, then that could be a problem. We just don't know enough yet. Um, I will say that the parties questioned her. They knew who she was, that she had run as a Democratic candidate, that she had a social media presence, and they asked her some questions and ultimately 
Roger Stone didn't challenge her at all, either for cause or by using one of his peremptory challenges. Um, but we just don't know quite enough yet. Um, but, you know, this is typical. I mean, he's going to challenge this every way he can. And I think his ultimate goal here is just to push this out as far as possible so that he doesn't have to surrender to prison before the election because, you know, I think he's expecting a pardon. Um, whether the president is willing to do it before the election or not, I didn't think that he would, but then yesterday's events made me think maybe he really will. He doesn't care. But I think Roger Stone is just trying to kick this can as far down the road as possible so he doesn't have to actually have to serve a day in prison. So at the sentencing tomorrow, the judge could sort of grill Justice Department lawyers about the decision-making process and why it was overruled. But is she likely to do that? Or because in her conference call yesterday, she was very matter-of-fact and didn't discuss the controversy. I think she will, again, not raise it. You know, she um, isn't going to delve into internal Department of Justice issues, I think. And at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter to her. I mean, the parties will make their recommendations, their arguments. If she finds those arguments persuasive, it may sway her on what she's going to sentence Roger Stone to. But ultimately, it's her decision, her call. And she sat through that entire trial. She knows this case significantly better than these two brand spanking new prosecutors who just came in a few days ago to do the sentencing because she actually sat through it. So she, I think, is not going to kind of get involved in all of that controversy. I think she's just going to sentence him and and move on. Also, a group representing the nation's federal judges scheduled an emergency telephone conference to address the president's tax on Judge Berman. Have you ever heard anything like that before? I haven't. You know, I don't know all that much about the group. And of course, we don't yet know what the the results, if any, will be of this emergency meeting they're convening, whether they will issue some sort of statement or, or what. But I do think what's incredibly interesting is just the fact that they're taking any action at all, that they've announced this emergency meeting. And this is active judges. You know, the prosecutor's letter is all former prosecutors. These are actual sitting judges saying effectively, we are very concerned about what's going on and the attacks on us. We are a third independent branch of government, and we have the president attacking us. Like, there's something wrong with this. And, you know, the chief judge of Judge Amy Berman Jackson's district also came out and made a statement about how the judges in that district, of course, decide each case on its facts and are not swayed by politics and so on. So that judge felt the need to defend Judge Berman Jackson against attacks from the president. So, I mean, people are very, very concerned about this behavior. And what's heartening is that they're speaking up about it. Thanks, Jennifer. That's former federal prosecutor Jennifer Rogers of Columbia Law School. The countdown has begun. This May, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg, held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry and Media City Qatar and premier sponsor QNB. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections and gain unique insights. Learn more at QatarEconomicForum.com.